the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be here in just a moment with today's message. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Well, due to the evolving situation with the pandemic, we currently cannot invite you to visit us in person at the worship service, but would like to invite you to a live stream from the church held each Saturday at 11 o'clock. You can go to reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video to watch that stream. And we'll let you know when that changes. We are still in the Genesis series. And if you've been following us online at reachingyourheart.com, you can find the entire series there. We are up to a message entitled, Let There Be Light Again. Let's let there be light again. And we'll bring this to you in two portions here on the radio But if you'd like to skip ahead just a little bit, you can go to reachingyourheart.com. You'll find the Genesis series there online. Again, let there be light again. Now here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Isaac Watts penned the immortal refrain we sing in the hymn, At the Cross. Some of you like that song. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. You like that refrain? I I have sung that thing again and again and again, but I have, to be perfectly honest with you, I've come to a point in my life where I have a little problem with the very last part of that. While this verse sounds sweet and it sounds encouraging, it isn't completely true, I believe. I believe it's a little overly optimistic. To be honest with myself, I must admit that there is a problem in the refrain. Not the song at large, but the refrain. I like it, but there's a piece I don't like. Let's take a look at the whole thing. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Now, I agree with that. The cross is the place where I first saw the light. The cross is the clearest manifestation of the character of God ever in the history of the world. It is clearer than the Scriptures, because right there at that cross, had you been there, and you can be there by faith, you would see the God-man dying for your sins. It's the ultimate statement of God's love for you. Very clear light. Then it says, and the burden of my heart rolled away. Now it's true that the cross is the place where you exchange your guilt for God's grace. It's the great reversal. You deserve to die, he dies for you. He deserves to go to heaven, you go instead of him. The cross is the place, just like in Pilgrim's Progress, where that massive burden on Pilgrim's back rolls down the mountain. The burden of my heart rolled away. The cross is the place you experience forgiving eyes that do not condemn you. It's the place when you look into the eyes of Jesus Christ, you see the eyes of God looking back to you. It is the place where the voice of God is taken through human vocal cords and it says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That voice is for you and for me. Then it says this. It's also true that the cross is the place where you see yourself in an awful light that is only overcome by God's light. I like the line that says, it was there by faith 
I received my sight. The cross is like a contact lens. We can't see. We don't have the right vision. And so at the cross, God puts the contact lens into your eyes so you can see God, you can see yourself, and you can see what it takes to get to God's kingdom by faith. But the last part of the refrain I don't like at all. I don't like it because I don't believe it's true. How's that? It's in the hymnal, but I don't believe it's true. And it says, and now I'm happy all the day. I don't believe that's true. Now, while it's true that peace and joy comes from Jesus Christ at the cross, and it's true when that burden rolls away, you can have peace and joy at the cross, it is also true that the way of the cross is a path of tears at times. And if you don't believe me, it's probably because you've never carried Jesus' cross. It is a mixed kind of thing. There are moments of intense happiness, moments of joy, and then there are deep valleys of growth where the cross must have a new claim upon your life. I really think he got it wrong in that very last line in the refrain. Following God is not always the easy road. You can let God down on the walk with God. Have you ever let God down? I have. Said something you didn't mean to say. You didn't do exactly what you were meant to do. And a deep pain pierced your soul because you are meant to profess faith in God and you let Jesus Christ down. I know it happens. It happens to me. It must happen to you. You know, you're silent today, aren't you? It's because I'm talking to you exactly where you may have been this week, right? Okay. Well, be easy on the preacher. I'm going to be easy on you. Okay? There are times, dear heart, when you will have to bow your head and ask God to forgive you again because you didn't live up to the light you knew when you faced affliction. There are times when darkness overtakes the light in a strong believer's life. And it's hard to see God. It's hard to believe that you were forgiven at the cross when you first saw the light. There are valleys like that that every sincere Christian goes through. And as a Christian, there are times when you want to see the light again. You want to have the brilliance of the cross that's shown in your heart when you accepted Christ every single moment. And it's just not as bright on one certain day as it is another. And you want to feel the way you did when you first saw the light. And those feelings are gone and you're on a survival mode. And the burden of your sins rolled away back then. But somehow you keep on remembering them right now. There are times like that in every sincere Christian's life. And it is, in fact, the test of your resolve whether or not you will follow Christ without the feelings in your life. For every Christian who has accepted Jesus, Christ and the cross, for every Christian who saw the light of the cross and felt the burden roll away, there comes a dark day of affliction sooner or later when they must hear God say, let there be light again. Let there be light again. The Apostle Paul saw the light on the Damascus Road the first time. He became a Christian when he saw that light. That light, in fact, knocked him off his horse. Blind as a bat, he meandered his way to the city of Damascus. God had appointed a disciple named Ananias. And Ananias was given the job of bringing this man to Christ. And he objected. He said, Lord, I don't want to have anything to do with this man. This man's full-time job is to persecute Christians. And God told Ananias, Ananias, I have appointed him as an instrument of light to the world. You minister to him. Yes, sir. I take orders from you, Lord. I'll do what you say. So he gave the gospel to Paul. Paul received the gospel. And when he had confessed his sins in the presence of a very nervous disciple of Jesus, the scales fell like bad, blurred contact lenses from his eyes. And he received his sight. And the Bible had prophesied of this years before in Isaiah 11 that a light would illumine the land of Naphtali. 
And we know that that is the very road of the Damascus Road, the land that Paul himself was in. So he became a light to the Gentiles, a fulfillment of this prophecy in the book of Isaiah. Paul's life as a Christian was anything but easy, though. He was hunted by militant Judaizers. He was defamed by false brethren. He was ridiculed by self-made apostles. He was beaten to the point of death by the authorities. And in the end, he was executed by an evil emperor, the Emperor Nero. I mean, he had a very difficult path in his life. Had you taken the popular notion of prosperity gospel that's out there on the television today, and had you applied it to the life of St. Paul, he would have been considered an unbeliever based on what you're hearing on the television sets today. And yet we find in the life of the Apostle Paul perhaps the most sterling witness to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. We find a life that was clean and pure and bold for God, but there was no external evidence that he somehow benefited from that in his life journey for God. So it doesn't fit this notion that you put your seed into the bucket and God pours back a blessing every time, whereby your pockets are full, your bank account is heavy, your retirement account is successful, and you never have persecution in your life because you're a believer. That's the kind of doctrine that fills the stadiums, but it doesn't fill the kingdom of God. Dear heart, the call of the cross is a call that is total and complete upon your life. It is a call without compromise. It is a call that calls you to Jesus Christ on the road that Christ has for you and no other road than his road. So Paul's life is proof that the Christian life contains pain with an eye for future glory and a future hope. Now it's true we have joy and peace, but there is a journey of affliction When Paul wrote 2 Corinthians, he was stressed out almost to the point of dying. Let me read you this passage and follow it with me. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Look at verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Verse 7, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Well, he's really getting on this word comfort, sufferings, comfort, sufferings. It almost sounds like bad English, but it isn't. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. Now, that's brutal honesty. Here is a man of God saying, I almost gave up on living because the struggle to share faith was so hard, I almost lost my hold on life itself. This is a strange way to start a letter. People who are experiencing pain will often slip and expose their pain to others indirectly. We call that a Freudian slip. But notice that Paul puts it all out on the table in the form of a blessing. He just flat out says, I've been having a rough time. In fact, I almost came to the point where I couldn't make it anymore. And he starts his epistle in this way. In these verses, Paul expresses three truths about God and three truths about you as a believer if you indeed suffer for God's truth and for his name. I'd like to look at the first one, the three truths about God, then we'll move to the three truths about ourselves. First, Paul declares that God is worthy of blessing in the midst of difficulties and trials. Now notice what I said there. 
Paul blesses God. He doesn't bless God after difficulties. He blesses God as he is struggling as a believer through difficulties and trials. He recognizes that the outcome of the event is not what it's about. It's rather rooted in a relationship with God. He starts by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek word blessing literally means to speak well of someone. He says, when I'm right here and I'm in a situation where things aren't going the way I want it to go, when I'm challenged by circumstances, when the difficulties surmount me personally, I choose to speak well of God in spite of my feelings. That's what he's saying. Dear heart, when you are suffering at God's hand, do you speak well of God? When you are on your back and it looks like God has not answered your prayer in the way you want him to, is it in you to bless God at that time? That's what Paul is doing here. He spoke well of God. He blessed God. Now, I've had the privilege of going out in the evenings with Chris Spinola with his telescope on some of these astronomy parties that they have. And I absolutely love these parties because we look through these telescopes and I've seen the Orion Nebula with the trapezium, these four stars. And it kind of reminds me of these four cherubim in association with God's throne. I make these visual analogies and images when I look at the heavens. He's shown me different nebula, which have these CG names attached to them. And then I've seen Jupiter with its moons and Saturn. It's just fabulous to look through the telescope and see the heavens. And with his telescope, you can hug it. It's a 12-inch Dobsonian reflector, so you get real intimate with that telescope as you're looking at the heavens. And I try to imagine taking hold of God that way and looking up into his vast universe. But there was a time in the past, if you really think about it, when there was no universe. Before there was a was, there was God. Before the beginning, God was here. And I'll tell you, dear heart, there's a part of God's existence, a part of God's reality that's lonely. Because God is so far out there, His creation cannot fully find Him. And so there's a part of God that will always have a little bit or a lot of loneliness to Him. And I believe that one day He just kind of stepped out over the edge of nowhere and said, I'm tired of being lonely. I'm going to make something. He created a planet and the universe and the galaxies and he formed intelligent beings and suddenly he wasn't lonely in exactly the same way. But there is a part of God that is lonely. And I believe that if we do not accept the path that God has given us as Christians, we will leave God lonely. Christ took the path of the cross as the God-man. If you're unwilling to take that path in your life, then you leave God to walk that path alone without you. It is true that God accepts you with your hurts and pains. But it is also true that there's a future that God has for you that you don't see yet. And the only way to get from A to B is to be on the path with God. When you cannot see the way into the future, faith can still see God. And if you have God and nothing else in life, then you are blessed by God. So you can lose your retirement account. You can lose everything you have. You can lose almost life itself. But if you have God, you know what you need to be saying today? Blessed am I because I have the most important relationship in the universe within my life. And based on that, I will choose to live a happy, positive, optimistic life. How many of you are blessed today? Okay, a few hands. We'll work on the rest of you. We're done this morning. I hope that that becomes a majority. In the context of his suffering, Paul has figured out that the deepest blessing in life is rooted in God's presence. Job discovered the same thing. Job was angry at God because he lost his family and all that he had. But at the end of Job's struggle for faith, God appeared to Job as the storm that calmed his soul. 
Job had heard of God all his life. But in the midst of the storm, he saw God and he found meaning in the midst of the storm. God became the storm that calmed his bitter life. Job 38.1, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Has God been answering you out of the storm lately? Maybe you've been saying, ah, God's not here. Too much stormy weather in my life. Too much clouds overhead. And it could be that God is answering you within the whirlwind. That that is the very mechanism he is using to find you. Job 42.5, notice what Job says. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. To really see God, you have to at times find God in the storms that come into your life. If you do not find God that way, how will you share in the path of the sufferings of Christ to know Him and the intimate depths that He Himself has been through these things? Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When every blessing in life is gone, there is one blessing that remains. If you are a Christian, that blessing is God's presence through the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus Christ. Paul blesses God as the God and Father of Jesus Christ. Now let's analyze what that means. That means God was God to Jesus. Now Jesus was God, but God was God to Jesus. Christ's life was directed by God. Both the ups and the downs were part of a plan with an outcome that has brought us to know God. Therefore, the good and the bad, from a human perspective, was really part of God's ultimate control for Jesus Christ. He accepted them because the road that led to the cross led to resurrection morning too, and a future glory for all those who love God. God was also the Father of Jesus Christ. As Jesus' Father, God was teaching His Son, leading Him into the future. A father, a good father, cares about his child. Well, hang in there. We will get underway again here in just a moment with Pastor Michael Oxen Tanko. As I reminded you at the beginning of our program today, our live services where you can attend in person are currently on hold due to the current situation. But that could change soon, so stay tuned here for news on that. In the meantime, we are streaming a live service from the church that you can watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. If you have any questions about today's message, you can visit reachingyourheart.com. A copy of this message is available there in case you missed any part of it. As well as reachingyourheart.com lets you know about other things that are happening with this radio broadcast. Let's continue now with Let There Be Light Again. Here once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. He may allow discipline to come into their life, but he will not allow his child to be crushed out of existence And so we find tender care in the life of Jesus Christ from his Father. What's good enough for Jesus, according to Paul, is good enough for Paul. Did you hear me? Paul is saying what was good enough for Christ is good enough for me. He's my God and my Father too. Now let me ask you the question. What was good enough for Jesus, is it good enough for you? Did you hear me? If Christ lived a life like that, are you willing to follow in his footsteps? Or do you want an easy road? That's not the way of the cross. That's not the way of Christ. What's good enough for Christ is good enough for his followers. Paul is affirming in his blessing that God is our God and our Father too. The first truth about God and Paul's blessing is the truth that God is worthy of blessing in the midst of trials. And the second truth flows out of it. Truth number two, he says God is the Father of mercies. How do you like that? The Father of mercies. 
In 2 Corinthians 1.3, Paul says God is the Father of mercies. For Paul, mercy is not something given in a cold legal setting that makes us not guilty before God and does nothing more for you in life. Mercy is fathered in the Christian life. Mercy is something that comes to life in your life because God is your Father. Mercy is a child that is tenderly cared for until it grows up and gains a maturity in your life whereby your hold on God is firm and fixed and stands forever. Mercy is guided by a Father's hands. And mercy is what you need when you are down, when you cry out to God, not just as God, but you cry out to Him as Daddy. Like you would as an infant in need of a parent. Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Like Christ did at the cross. My God, my God. Then He says, Father, why have you forsaken me? He reaches out, Abba, Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, let this cup pass from me. When you cry out to God as Abba, Father, God is not a judge at that moment of need. God is a Father full of mercy. He is the Father of mercies for you. Are you pleased that you have a Father like that? When you need mercy, God is a Father of mercy for you. James 1.17, every good endowment and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The third truth about God is like the second. Not only is God the Father of mercies, dear heart, He is also the God of all comfort. Now notice that Paul could have said that He is the Father of all comfort, but he doesn't do that. He says God is the God of all comfort. Fathers comfort, fathers encourage. But Paul uses the word God instead of Father for a very important reason. He says He's the God of all comforts. I don't know if you've ever noticed this with your little ones, but my sons, when they stubbed a toe as a child, they'd come up to me and they'd say, Daddy, Daddy, and they'd be crying with the tears rolling down their eyes. You know, it's really dramatic. and get more dramatic depending on how big the wound or how big they perceive the wound. Perceptions guide tears as a little child. And so as John, Michael, or Donald would come to me and they'd say, Daddy, Daddy, I hurt myself. I'm going to die. And you look at them, well, where is it? Well, it's kind of behind the toe, if you look real carefully, you'll see the little spot there where I stepped on. Oh, you know, sometimes you have to really look hard to find out where it got hurt. And what they're really saying is, Daddy, could you kiss my alley? Now, I've kissed hands. I've kissed faces. And brace yourselves, I've kissed toes. Because alleys are alleys. And you've got to meet that where the knee, you know what I mean? This is embarrassing. But it's true. You've never kissed your child's toe? You have. Okay. The Davids and me are on the same planet. The rest of you we're struggling with today, okay? But you've got to kiss that alley where it hurts. Now, I have found that when my children were young, that was easy to do. But the alleys get more complex, more complicated as people grow up. And there comes a time when a father and a human mother cannot kiss the alley enough. It takes God's kiss to make the alley go away. Because ultimately there is a father that must take our place as the spiritual guide of our children's lives. To comfort someone, you must be strong enough to comfort them. Paul uses the word all because there's only one being in the universe who is strong enough to comfort you, dear heart, in every situation in your life. To be able to comfort in everything, you must have all power to provide all comfort. So God is the God of comforts because it is not too big a job for Him to comfort you in everything that you are afflicted with in life. Therefore, all comfort comes to you from Him. The Greek word, Comfort is periklesis, translated, of course, comfort. But it means a calling near or a calling to the side. 
This word is the basis for the Greek word parakletos used to describe the Holy Spirit in John 14, 16, the comforter. Christ said this to his disciples, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor or comfort, parakletos, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. Now notice this. The word parakletos here literally means to call alongside. It means to call near, to call someone to come close to you. And Christ is saying, I was with you on this earth. I am a comforter. But I am not large enough with the constrictions of humanity to be everywhere without divesting myself of human nature. But within me is the Holy Spirit. I am integrally connected to the third person of the Godhead. And He is like me because we are one, because we are God. And I will send Him to you. And as He comes to you in Him, I am present with you. I am a comfort. He is the comforter. The comfort of God, dear heart, is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which brings the presence of Jesus and the Father right into your life. Think about that. Not over there, not in heaven, right in your life. God's comfort is not advice when you are down. God's comfort is not correction when you need it. God's comfort is Himself and your mind and emotions upholding you, teaching you, leading you, as Jesus did His disciples. His presence with you through difficult times, dear heart, in spite of you. That's what the comforter is. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. We're completely out of time for today's message entitled, Let There Be Light Again. It is a part of the Genesis series, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, that website, reachingyourheart.com. Join us again next week when we get back together for the conclusion to Let There Be Light Again here on the radio. Don't forget that the worship service is actually being streamed and we're not able to be there in person. We have to be there virtually, at least until this is all over with. But in the meantime, you can go to reachinghearts.org slash video, reachinghearts.org slash video, and watch a virtual service every Saturday at 11 o'clock. Thanks for listening, and as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.